0: All right, all
1: right, all right, Welcome, 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 Mr. Set. How are you doing today?
0: Hi, I'm doing great. How are I'm you? Doing
1: great. You sound optimistic.
0: Always. There's no better way than to sound optimistic. It's the only way to live.
1: I am so glad that you decided to be the second victim on the director's <laughs> corner. <laughs> I'm like a victim. Hey. Victim. Victim. <laughs> Well, you know, some people take it the wrong way. They think, oh, well, what kind of questions are they going to ask me? Just pretty basic. You know, people want to know what it's like, you know. So I'm trying to give them that.
0: If you're a true director, you're used to the limelight. You're in front of cameras all the time and behind them.
1: Well, that's the director's standpoint. I'm trying to make it more because I don't feel like directors and writers get enough attention I mean, they go to award shows, they go, you know, it's productions that they're doing, but they don't get the exposure. The people who get the exposure are the actors. (laughs) So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to put like a different spin on it to where it's equal, you know? So I started the segments, the writer's block, director's corner, and reaching new heights for people. And, you know, let's get pumped. That's a fitness article. So... Let's see, you know, but I mean, I wanted to put the focus on the people who actually don't get the focus. You
0: know? I'm kind of glad you're doing that, actually. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, you know, it's a good thing to do. Not too many people focus on that. So I'm, I'm, you know hats off to you for that. It's really cool. Thank you. Absolutely. All
1: right. So our for- first question, you ready? It's a big one. I'm ready. Big Let's one. Let's do it. Okay. How did you become a director?
0: <clears throat> well, that's a loaded question. Um. Becoming a director, actually, it was is it more of like a, as you were just saying earlier, it's more like a storyteller. You start out as a storyteller um, around your friends, around your family when you're growing up. You kind of, you can tell as you're growing up where you fit when all your friends are playing makeup and, you know, they're pretend and everything. You know where you, either you're the guy that's taking direction for someone, okay, you stand over here, and that person will go stand over there, or you're the guy that's saying, it. hey, you go stand over here, and you go stand over there, and I'll be back here with the little camera pretend and. So I was that guy. You know, at 13, I was telling and writing little stories for our friends and in and, and, uh, and our neighborhood and, and family, and whenever my cousins would come over, I was basically the guy uh, that kind of just kind of placed everybody, had the idea, the outline. We didn't write anything down. We just kind of went off the cuff and had fun, you know, enjoyed it. And then little by little, as I got older, uh, writing was really something that was – Basically, a story in your mind that you want to, you know, see come to life. So everybody would come to me and say, "Hey, Sad, you want to do this?" or "Hey, Sad, you want to do that?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll write it for us." And and I'll bring the, you know, either the toy camera at the time or a real camcorder. You know, camcorders back in the day were about this you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. big, and you would buy the VHS tape and you pop it in, and and you have fun with it. You, of course, you snuck it out because dad wouldn't let you have it. Uh, <laughs> But that's really how it all started, and, and uh, I carried that on to adulthood, just writing, I wrote poetry, I wrote short stories, uh, a few of my poems actually were published nationally and internationally, so it was interesting to see, here's this young Egyptian guy, you know, straight out of Egypt at the time, I, was, I came to the U.S. when I was 10 years old, so a Christian Egyptian growing up in the Middle East had no idea my life would even go in that direction. Let alone my name, because you know most people can't pronounce my name. Saad Joseph Gregor, they either say sod or they say any other word that they can think of that doesn't sound like sod. <laughs> so becoming um, a director was really, it was more like a, a path that you kind of have to pave for yourself, if you will. You have to really believe in yourself first and foremost, and uh, you have to believe in what you're doing and your vision. That's really what it comes to, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Becoming yes. a director, becoming someone who's interested in wanting to show the world what you see and hope that they would see what you see.
1: It's a beautiful thing. Okay, so what do you think the most important skills for a director is to have? You
0: know, basically, leading into this uh, question of yours is, is, is piggybacking on what I, what I was just saying is that you really have to ha- be able to convey not just to the actors. I mean conveying to the actors is important absolutely but you really have to convey to everyone on your team your vision from the lighting department to the camera department uh, to hair and makeup to the style of what you want the you know the the location that you're shooting at to look like whether it's a set or you're on location all that is it has to come together and if it doesn't come together then your vision is really at that point your vision is skewed because you're not conveying what you want. Yeah. I uh, think you know, when you're when you're a director, you see the whole entire thing in your head. Whether it's your script or someone else's script, you're seeing the entire process come to life in your mind. And then you're conveying that to your actors. Of course, before you get to the actors, you're talking to your gaffer, you're talking to your DP, you're talking to your electric department, you know, the the the, the construction department and everybody's coming together to ask, What's your vision? What do you see? How do you you know? how do you think your skills are going to show us what you're seeing? Mm-hmm. And so that's a really important skill to have as a director, because if you don't, you're really kind of guiding a sinking ship.
1: <laughs> so how do you develop a story?
0: Uh, I think the story, it starts with an idea. You know, the, the idea has to be, it could be as simple as you saw two people holding hands, in the street and then all of a sudden they got into a fight. And you can take that and develop an entire story, a backstory to it, what you saw, and then the ending. And that's really where talent comes in for an artist. You take whatever small little detail or minute thing that you might have caught or might have caught your attention and you run with it. Uh, That's one way. The other way is you base it on uh, a lot of people that I've come across, including myself, have stories that they based on their life growing up. So, Developing a story, it's either something that's within, or if you're a creative that likes to make fictional stuff or non-fictional stuff, it depends. You know, fictional stuff is that what we're talking about? Developing, you know, developing a story is find something. It Could be a flower, it could be a picture. It could be, you know, the other day I'll tell you. The other day, someone on my team um, saw an older lady bend down and and. Uh, pet her dog and right away I can develop an entire movie just based on that and I I, you know I played into it I said well tell me a little bit about how you would see that and they would talk about how she was when she was a young girl and you know being able to mend down was no big deal and she had her first puppy and you can build a story on that and her family took her and moved to the suburbs from the city and they just went on and on and on and on and that's basically how you develop the story so they took something that was very small very minute very simple and built an entire story on it.
1: So we have Benji 2.0 or Ode Yeller
0: 2.0.
1: <laughs> we'll put those stories out.
0: Exactly.
1: Okay, so what's your personal creative process like?
0: If we have um, a message or a film idea on a script, um, I will always read the script. First, you know, I'll read it two times. The first time I'm going to read the script as a viewer, just as if someone's watching a movie, basically. Um, and then as an artist developing a story through my own eyes and then the eyes of the writer, if it's not mine, if it's the writer, if it's someone that wrote it, I want to read it the second time as a, an artist who's developing someone else's story. Um, whether it's a true story or whether it's, again, it falls into that category, uh, first person see, hearing an event through a storyteller or developing it, the way that they want us to see them, uh, breaking down every scene from macro to micro, taking the emotional details, all these things have to actually convey the development process or the creative process or, or making it into what is that person trying to achieve. So, for example, I'll give you someone that I worked with. Um, they wanted to develop a guy who knows martial arts who found a pair of magical shoes and now he became a a magical martial artist when you first read the script you have to take it in as a viewer and then you go back and get in the mind of the writer and say okay you know the personal creative process has to be this way this is what I see nine out of ten times I'm always on the same page with the writer if it's not myself because I, I, I I'm able to understand where they're coming from. After you you know, you read it the first time, you go back and read it the second time. Now you understand what they're thinking. And it's almost a writing. Literally the writing's on a page and you're just developing that story. Yeah. So you know, you feel what you're what you're taking in, really. So that's yes. that's that's very important.
1: The writing process is real fun the first twenty times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People don't get that. They're like, Oh yeah, they just threw that down and uh, now we're going to make it new. It does not go like that.
0: It is written
1: and then written and written and written and written. (laughs) A lot. I mean, oh
0: gosh. I've seen that too. I've seen people who have written one time. It's a first draft and it goes into process of uh, pre-production and and, and you can tell someone who took their time developing a story and someone who just rushed something, put it on tape or film. It's in Your work, everything shows in your work. If you don't take your time, it shows. If you take your time, it shows. If if you really, um, I'm all about intricate details. I am I'm I'm a very perceptive person, so I pay attention to detail. On that level of micro, 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 microscopic, you know, image. If there's a a hair out of place, or if there's a button out of place, or there's you know, there's a background out of place, it has to all be seamless. The big guys didn't get to be where they're at because they just, you know, put it together and threw it together, and there you go. No, they took their time to develop it with intricate detail, and that's exactly how a filmmaker should be. If you're portraying a story, especially if you're in the director's chair, everyone's looking to you. They might be looking at your actors, but after all said none, if your actors did a horrible job, your lighting was awful and your audio was ridiculous, and, you know, the costume department did a horrible job getting the right costume, and it looks plastic on actors, and... Now you know everybody's looking to you. Oh, you directed this. Oh, I see. And you know yeah. you'll never work this out again.
1: So, what kind of movies have you directed?
0: Um, I've directed drama, action. You know, action drama uh, combination. Uh, basically, I, I'm I'm all about story. I like story. I like um, to be able to sit down with someone and then develop their story. Drama speaks to a lot of people. Whether it be, uh, you know, a happy ending drama or a non-Hollywood ending drama, Uh, you know, something that captivates the audience and kind of clinches you at the heart, Uh, that's very important to me. So action drama is really cool because you have some action in the middle and then, you you know, you're developing both beginning and end of the story. Um, Thematically speaking, it has to have a, a nice theme to it to be able to unfold the right way.
1: So drama and action,
0: I would, you know, love to also direct comedy and musical, but drama and action is where I'm at.
1: I like a little bit of everything. I mean, I'm not a director, but I mean, as far as writing and acting, I'm big on comedy because a lot of people, they just say I'm so funny. And I, I'm not saying that I am, but I don't try to be intentionally, but I just, the stuff I say kind of comes off, you know, it just kind of rolls out. And I've had people say, you should be a stand-up comedian. No, I'm good. <laughs> you know, but I mean, comedy, comedy's is a lot of fun because you can go either way with it, you know. Yeah. And you can make a dark comedy and or you can just make, you know, here we go. Kevin Hart, you know, comedy. It's just it's a lot of fun, I think, to make. Plus, I like the fact that, like I heard George Clooney, he plays a lot of pranks on people. So I think that would be fun, you know, just to mess with people and <laughs> get in their heads a little bit. Hey, you so, might as well. You should
0: try directing. <laughs> I
1: like it. Yeah, well, I mean, I can do pretty much everything on a production except for operate that camera. It, okay. That's the the only thing I really can't do. So I'm going to ask you two of the same questions that I asked Mr. Michael Gibbons last time. Okay. okay. What was your first short film that you directed?
0: Uh, my first short film was actually um, called Deadly Assumption. <laughs> that was uh, that took us a year and a half to put together just to be able to get out the dang thing, and it just was oh my god, nobody would cooperate. And for a short, it was a 10 minute short film, 10 or 15 minutes. And of course, you you would think we would take our first short film and make it simple, but no, we had streets closed, we had a fire, you know, um, fire fire department ambulance, not a regular ambulance, but we had to get a fire department ambulance to be <laughs> to be in wow. the shot. Um, in Florida, things can't be simpler. Back in when we first started this whole thing, this is where yeah. we're at. But uh, that was um, a mm-hmm. very challenging uh, short film because it was two guys who had the director's head, and nobody, you know, nobody else wanted to kind of like they didn't want to upset either one of us. You know what I mean? Like they wanted yeah. to make everybody happy. So I would see a scene, he would see a scene a different way, and we would shoot it twice and see which one looked better after. Because as you know. You shoot the film is one, one story. You take it to the editing, it's a whole different story. And then whatever comes out of the editing is another story altogether. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. The Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They went yeah. to bat over that one, I'm telling you. But I love – I'm Italian, so I I love that movie. I got hooked on that and The Godfather – well, The Godfather Part 2. And then um, the new show, The Offer, I don't know if you've ever seen that or not, but God, you've got to watch that one. I I was glued. I think I sat through, I binge watched it like
0: twice. Yeah, it was good.
1: So what about your first feature film?
0: Well, that's a good one too. Um, Our first feature film uh, was called Deadly Assumption. No, sorry, not Deadly Assumption. It was uh, called Unity of Souls because we were going to take Deadly Assumption and make it into a feature, but we decided to put that aside and work on something more uh, tangible to audiences to be able to relate to. And so Unity of Souls actually was done the original time back in 2000 and uh, I want to say 2012. And after it was all said and done, it was packaged, it was ready to go. We sat back and looked at it again with a couple of um, distributors and we were like, okay, the message on here is going to be a little tough for a lot of people at that time to be able to understand and to absorb. So we said, we need to go back and rewrite this whole entire story and reshoot this film. So technically, the first feature was done. It was in the can. It was ready to go international. It was ready to go all over the world. And then it was pulled back. Pulled back by my instinct as a human being in general, let alone a filmmaker. It just was able to give me chan- a chance to look at it from different eyes after you put it away for a while. You go back to it and look at it again. And so we decided not to launch Unity of Souls. And we put it back on, uh, on the you know, basically the, <laughs> the whiteboard and kind yeah. of went through the whole thing all over again. And so now we're in pre-production of it all over again. And we're trying to get it done uh, kind of in a different light, if you will. Not so strong, I guess, because it... it, it I'll tell you what. I, I'm definitely not a, uh, a Scorsese or, or, or a um, you know, one of those um, intentional directors that want to just kind of hit you upside your head when you watch a movie. I can be, and I I try not to be. I try to be in the middle somewhere. I'm a cut between Lucas, Spielberg, and um, uh, Tarantino. If you put all those two together, all those three together, you'll, you'll get sought. Um Only because of the way the style it, I like to shoot, and and a lot of people know that I'm very forward with my thinking. So sometimes what I'm saying is a little bit farther along the line from people to understand. So they'd go have to go back and watch it again and again. So that's where we're at with that. So the feature that we did, back in the can, waiting to be redone. Uh, and so hopefully we'll, we'll get it so done. So there's
1: a method, a method to the madness.
0: There's a method to the madness because of the content that is within the story. Some of it is real. Some of it is make-believe. It's a culmination of both. And so as not to insult anyone or, or I'm not Tarantino, again, in that Light where I can go out and be like, hey, screw you. You don't, you don't know, watch it anyway. If you don't like it, I, I'm not there. I, li-
1: I like that attitude though. I mean, I if, if you want to watch it, watch it. If you don't, I mean, uh, that's pretty much the kind of attitude you almost have to have to even be in this business because this people true. get upset and some people get upset over, I mean, the stupidest things, you know, yeah. and like feedback. And man, if you're happy a good time making your project, you got the money to, you know, make the project, then make the project. You know, yeah. if people don't like it, don't don't watch it. You know, right. there's other things on there you know, you can go and watch, and
0: other things that you can do. You know,
1: that's oh, just yeah. the way I feel about it.
0: I mean, I'm with you 100%, but, yeah. you know, as you are an Italian, and you know that you have a heritage that you come from, and, and being an Egyptian Christian, especially from, you know, from a Christian standpoint, it, it hit a lot of nerves, mm-hmm. and cause it hit a lot of nerves. I'm all about controversy. I am 100% on controversy all the time as far as storytelling because that's the only way you're going to tell it. That's why we're filmmakers. If we're not telling controversial stories, then what's the point of telling, you know, telling stories through film? Yeah. Uh it's the only form of expression that is allowed without, you know, without <laughs> stringing you along in a courthouse somewhere. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. I like it. I just don't think it was beneficial at the time for me to be able to either put it out and, you know, have it be welcomed in the way that I wanted it to be welcomed. And so pulling it back was almost like a unanimous decision with the producers I was working with at the time. So needless to where, say, I'm, my heart's still in the, in the first one, of course.
1: So where did you get the actual idea for your first film? Um,
0: a little bit of uh, Friends, that went through these things, uh, a little bit of myself growing up in Jersey and and, and taking on that life and uh, seeing things unfold as I was growing up from a young boy to a young man to a married man and so on and so forth. And then moving out of Jersey and going to California, living there for a while. So a lot of that, you know, came together to create the story. And then the ending, the ending came to me by seeing someone go through something without giving too much away. Uh, Yeah, and and they went through something that was, it was just startling. And seeing that, I said, "Oh my God, that this has to be in the story." Yeah, and then I put it in the story. And while we were shooting it, it was a tearjerker. I mean, to the point where everybody was kind of, you know, sobbing at the film when we were shooting it. (laughs) It was that strong. So you know, pulling it back and looking at it after, you kind of realize that, hmm, yeah. I don't think the world's ready for this yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I know that you're on board with shattered dreams and that one is, I, I don't know how many times we've wrote that and wrote, and wrote it and wrote it and wrote it. It seems like I could never get happy with it, you know, but I actually am happy with, with what's coming. And I mean, you will be too. Cause I know you've read the first draft and you're going to, yeah. you're going to like it, but Stories, I mean, based on true events, basically, it's fun and it's it's good to make them because you have your true story and then you also have, you know, the spin, as much as you can put on it without yeah. ruining the actual story. It's, it's great, you know.
0: I, I look for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Okay. So... Let me see. My next question, I'm trying to think, was you know, uh, I, your, your personal favorite genre. <laughs>
0: um, to play into that, you know, drama is definitely one of my favorite genres. Um, do I want to work on sci-fi because I'm starting to enjoy it more and more with watching a lot? I'm not a big Disney fan as of late, but I am a big Star Wars fan. And of all the things that have been coming out on Star Wars, all the spinoff shows, uh, I've been a Star Wars you know, kid since I was growing up in Jersey. I never went to the theaters to see the movies because I wasn't allowed. But I got to see them on VHS when they came out. And i know, probably saying VHS. Everybody's like, what? What's VHS? <laughs> <coughs> so you know, I got to see them on VHS, and then I got the DVDs, and now you, know, you can download them, you can stream them. But all the spin-off shows got me to really want to work on features or even episodic shows in the sci-fi world. It's becoming a favorite. Do I, is it like my ultimate favorite? I don't think it is, but I I enjoy watching to see... I'll give you a funny story. You can't watch movies with me. Why? Because I sit there and I'll just be like, oh, did you notice that? Did you see this? And, <laughs> and all my family were like, all right, Saad, so you need to sit in the back of the room we're watching a movie because we, we can't do this. You know, we can't watch a movie with you. You cannot pause the movie and tell us how the special effects came into play and why there was, you know, so that... Of course, I don't you know, do it all the time, but I enjoy it. And so that's my favorite. I like drama. I like sci-fi. I would love to work uh, on a sci-fi film. Um, I think uh, Jon Favreau is a fantastic human being for getting as far as he's gotten, working in the volume on the sci-fi with Mandalorian and so on. So that just kind of energizes me to say, you know what, I can do that. That's not yeah. that far. I can do this.
1: So yeah. you're the man that they would give one of those little kitty DVD players to and some headphones and pop your movie in and send you to another room, so they could actually watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take you to the movies. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like once the further you get, a, you know, in this industry and the further you even get in acting or anything, it you learn everything. And it does ruin a lot. Like, I was watching Friends the other night. I'm not going to say the answer to this because it's on the question part on lore. Uh So, And I noticed when I was watching it that one of the cameraman's legs were in the doorway... Of the scene. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I bet they never even caught that when they did the post-production on that. So I just want to see if anybody out there in the world actually knows what episode it is and where it is, you know, like exactly. Because just saying that, it's still not going to give it away. You know, it's funny
0: you say that because that's really comforting to see that even the big dogs that spend hundreds of millions of dollars on these films still have little mistakes. And that kind of gives you comfort as a, uh, you know a filmmaker that is working with productions on a, on a daily basis of all kinds, that it's okay to have these little tiny, I guess you can call them mistakes. It's okay because mm-hmm. if the big dogs can do it and they can get away with it, you know, it's okay. It's, it, 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 I'm not saying it's allowed, but I'm saying if it happens and you cannot correct it, it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's not bad. You yeah. can get away with it.
1: I just but wonder yeah. how many people are binge watching Friends right now trying to figure out, well where the hell what is she talking about? What is she yeah. talking about? And if they are good, if you can find it, I swear I will tell you that is what I was talking about, but we're so good. Okay, oh. so do you think there are enough opportunities for people with limited experience to be to come into filmmaking?
0: Limited experience like people who just basically have very limited knowledge in the industry
1: yeah like people who you know they're starting out student films um, short films people I mean there are movies we all know that's being made with even iPhones now you know I mean the one the Spanish film i I cannot remember for the life of me that the name of that film won all those Oscars that one year and that was made with an iPhone
0: yeah I mean uh, limited if you have limited experience in the industry to begin with and you want to break into the industry and I've told this to so many people that have come across my you know my path Uh, limited to me means you might as well want to start at the bottom and work your way up really that's what limited means it helps you to understand the roles of each individual it also helps you to understand how the crew works together so becoming a PA on a set a lot of people they frown on it because oh I'm going to be at the bottom of the totem pole and why am I going to go get coffee for people and why am I doing this? You want to break into the industry? It's not really embarrassing. It's not humiliating. It's really giving you an essence of how this whole animal works. We are a different animal. We don't work like any any other job. You know we don't collaborate like any other job.
1: You mm-hmm.
0: got a bunch of creatives that are sitting in the room and everybody's got ideas and you know. So if you're brand new to this or if you have limited experience, in my honest opinion, start at the bottom. I mean, if you like something at the bottom and, and you're happy there, stay there. Most people obviously don't, but at least it gives you an idea. What is yeah. the lighting department doing? What is hair and makeup doing? What is construction doing? What is set design doing? You know, what is the camera department plus the director are doing? What are these people doing? How are they doing it? And then pick something that you might think that you like, and kind of gravitate towards that and just become more involved. Ask questions, you know, after yeah. the production is done. A lot of those guys don't mind talking, you know, as long as they're not working. You know, if they're in rap or they're done for the day and they're, you know, pulling uh, cables or whatnot, just be like, hey, I have a question, you know, how did you get there? And believe me, when you ask someone on the set, hey, how did you get there? They're going to talk to you like, <laughs> fill, fill to the uh, couch. They yeah. don't mind, you yeah. know. And if they like you and they like your vibe, I promise you, you're more than likely going to either mesh with them or they're going to say, hey, you know what, it might not be paying, but do you want to come hang out with us on the next set and at least get an idea of what's going on? And it builds that camaraderie and that relationship. And eventually, you know, your limited experience becomes, you know, full experience and you can move on. But if, yeah, to answer your question, if you have limited experience, try starting at the bottom. Yeah. It doesn't hurt.
1: I mean I've I done well I did some production management and I went in and because I had ran a business, you know, a bunch of years, so I was kind of used to the management part of it. And the thing a lot of people don't understand is there's more on those production assistants and production managers plate than a lot of people realize. It's not just going and getting coffee. It's, I mean, you could be doing paperwork. Like me, I was doing paperwork for um, SAG. You know, the SAG paperwork for the the SAG actors that we had in there. And I never filled out like any SAG paperwork until then, but me, because I mean, I'm educated and I've ran a business. I, I knew I knew what I was doing, and there are things that people don't understand. So starting at the bottom is not always bad. I agree with
0: you completely. Uh, right. Yeah. And, and you, I mean, being a businesswoman, you go in and you do paperwork. That in itself is rewarding because now you're seeing a whole different ballgame of the paperwork mm-hmm. you've never seen before. sag or, you know, if you're filling out insurance forms or if you're now with the medical thing with COVID, there's a whole other section of medical forms that needs to be filled out, and you're just going through all these things, and you're going, wow, I thought I was just going to be fetching coffee. No. Depends on what department you're peeing for. You could be doing a whole plethora of things that you didn't even know that you were going to do. So it's not all bad. You're right. It's not all bad. You know, Give it a shot. And I'll be honest with you, three out of ten people usually will say, this is not for me. And they'll just walk away from the industry because they cannot understand how we can be in something 12 to 15 hours and walk out smiling at the end of the day. So. They're like, how do you guys function? You know, I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's not for everybody. You know, it's some people love it.
1: (laughs) No, they think a lot of people think it's glamorous. And that that's the thing, because everybody wants fame and money. And, you know, and that that's not even the kind of person I I am. I'm far from that, you know. But when the first very first thing I've ever did in acting is when I did that the scenes in Donnie Brooke, that movie. And we were outside in the cold from 5 PM until 5 AM in the morning. It was 12 degrees. I had on shorts and a tank top. Oh yeah. Yeah. Three days, three days. And I tell you why, and then where it was shot, because now that it's been released for years, so I can actually say we were at a campground and it was muddy as hell because it rained, you know, but I had never had so much damn fun in my life because just it was just fun, you know, to do. I was cold as hell, but it was fun, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not all glam. and
0: no. it's, it's not. It's not. You know? it's not for everybody. Not everybody can handle it. Not everybody can deal with it. But, you know, those who do and persevere, yeah. they go on to say, you know, this was the best experience of my life and I would never trade it for the world. And it's true. You know, a lot of people enjoy it. That's why we're in it. I mean, from a director standpoint, it's a little different. But I've been down in the trenches. I worked, I worked PA for 18 months before I even saw my first actual key position, you know, in, in the industry. And um, I didn't mind. I actually had fun. They would look at me like, "How are you happy at 15 hours and you just started this job?" <laughs> like I love this. Like I, I don't mind being in the midst of this chaos. It's where I live. It's where I come alive. Um, and up until you know doing DP work or, or doing um, AC work or you know pulling focus, if I'm not working, I'm bored. How about that? <laughs>
1: That's how I am. If I'm not constantly, even at home, if I'm not doing something, I create these projects around my house. I do. I've painted my house. I know five times since we've lived here. Wow. Yeah. Because I'll get bored, and then I have new things spinning in my head, and I'm like, okay, I got to change this and I got to do that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm just bored if I'm not working. I have to be working constantly or I just go right. crazy.
0: That's the only yeah. way. That's the only way to live.
1: So what advice do you have for aspiring filmmakers?
0: <sighs> be kind to yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. Take it easy. Enjoy the, the process and enjoy the journey. Um, not everything you're going to do is going to come out perfect. Um, and not everything you missed make you a failure. It's okay to fail, but you know, failure is an event. It's not a lifestyle and it's not who you are. It's just an event that happened for that particular time. So don't be so hard on yourself. If you fail at something or if you failed at making something that you wanted to, it's okay. The good part about this is you can try again. If it's someone else's project that you worked on and you did something wrong, if you can correct it, correct it. If not, if you gave 110% effort and you know in your heart of hearts you gave 110%, then you, di- you did your job. You're good. So take it easy on yourself. Don't be so quick to want to jump into the next position. Savor. Yeah. Savor the time you have in whatever position you're in because you will look back on it one day and be like, man, life was simpler when I was, <laughs> you know, or life was easier when I did so it's 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 a journey, and I, I know it's been said and it's been overused, but truly, honestly, enjoy the journey. It, it's going to be worth the wait to get to your final destination, if you have a final destination. I don't feel that there is such a thing. Mm-hmm. We're always learning. We're always growing. So yeah. in a nutshell, enjoy the journey. Blaze your own trail and just have fun. I agree. You
1: know? I definitely agree with you. I mean, so, okay, I have another question that's completely off the topic, because I know I I told you pretty much what we were going to talk about. Drones. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What made you want to do drones? I could never personally fly one. I would probably crush the equipment. But I mean, it looks like fun and like the shots you get are, they're great.
0: I've seen, I've seen your work, you know. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Honestly, this is going to sound silly. Uh, I've always wanted to fly. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of kids (laughs) think the same way. I always wanted to be Superman growing up. I wanted to put on that cape, and I wanted to, as a matter of fact, and here's a funny one for you. Living in Egypt when I was a little boy, we lived on a second floor, and this is, I barely remember this, but my mom used to tell me all the time. She said you would put on the bed cover around your neck. You'd get a C-47 and you'd clip it, which is basically a clothesline hanger. And uh, you would clip it in here and you would put it around your neck and you'd flap it in the back and you would run from the living room to the balcony and you would jump on the clothesline. Literally jump on the clothesline thinking that you are going to fly. So one time the clothesline gave and I landed on the floor from the second floor. Oh, God. <laughs> I was okay. I don't know how. I think the angels carried me down with that. <laughs> But she said, you've always wanted to fly and you thought that you were Mighty Mouse because Mighty Mouse that they played in Egypt back in the time can actually fly. So here I was trying to be Mighty Mouse. And I, as I grew up, I started loving Superman. You know, Christopher Reeves was one of my favorite Superman. Yeah. Uh, he was the original, he'll always be my original. And so having that having that desire to, to see things from above and just uh, fly, when drones came out, I was like, what? We can, <laughs> we can film from the sky? Without a helicopter that costs thousands of dollars for five minutes, I'm in. <laughs> so I bought my first drone and I was in heaven. I've flown that thing 1,200 feet up and just to see what it looks like. Followed some you know, dolphins around. How I'm many
1: up. have you crashed? None. None? None. Well, yes. None.
0: <laughs> I mean, it took time for me to get brave. Um, to be able to just take it from uh, the slow level to the medium level because they have what they call a tripod level, which moves very slow, and yes. it has a sport level. But there's a medium level in there as well. So at first, when I first got it, I was the biggest chicken. I would just slowly go up uh, <laughs> move over, you know, and I would play with it, and gradually I got better. And now it's just like, you know, it, like anyone – for example, before drones, motorcycles. I had a motorcycle. Whenever I wanted to get away, I'd hop on my motorcycle, go for a ride, I would feel great, come back. Uh, sports cars are the same. So when drones came out and I've had too much and the world's way too busy and noisy, I'll grab my drone, hop in a car, go by the beach and fly my drone. And I'm in the zone, you know, I'm just I'm there. I don't, I don't let think a on.
1: lot of people realize what those kind of rides can do for you because me I love to ride motorcycles Yeah, they I serve. love to ride yeah it is it really I, is I throw my earbuds in pull my hair up and I'm gone that's it you know it's just yeah. me and they don't get it a lot of people are. they're afraid of bikes and it's not the bike you have to be afraid of it's not even you it's everybody else on the road that you have to be afraid of and people on their cell phones and you know people like that just make me mad but when I get in those moods I have to I have to do something you know and that that's awesome because I mean you're you're like me in a way you just jump on a bike and that's exactly what I do when I get irritated I'll just I leave
0: You know? <laughs> uh, I, jumped, I jumped through my drone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. We're going to keep you away from clotheslines. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, when you go out, and that's the thing, too, is, is I learned to go high. Uh, I have tackled a, a bunch of birds up in the air um, because, of, you know, when drones first came out, birds thought they were just a toy that they were going to grab. And I've tackled some birds. I've lost some um, propellers, but I have replaced them, but it never crashed. Literally, I mean, thankfully, it never crashed, but yeah. Uh, that's one way. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll still hop on a bike if I have a chance <clears throat> That I laid down, but it wasn't my fault It's someone who cut me off again, and it was an older person here in Florida It's kind of hard to not <laughs> come near an older person anywhere yeah. So, but yeah, I laid it down, and I walked away from it luckily, but um uh, I got back on the horse, and I rode again, so
1: But yeah, I enjoy it. I love it. Oh, I have a story I could tell you, uh I'm telling you, I laid down not a motorcycle, but a scooter. Ooh. Yeah, I grew up riding four-wheelers and dirt bikes and stuff like that. So we, uh, I kind of borrowed one of my friend's little scooters when I was like 14 years old. And I had the experience, well, it was raining and I had somebody on and they're, if they see this... <laughs> please still don't be mad at me. <laughs> but we were going up to this park and there was like a turn that kind of went like, I don't know, kind of like that all the way around. And I told the person, I was like, don't, don't, cause they kept doing this on the back. I'm like, don't lean because if you do, I know we're going down. I'm just going to let us go at this point. So they kept it up in the rain. We were doing 25, which would too fast to be going around that corner too fast. And I knew when they did that, we were going down. So I let it go. You know, I, I let it go. And we we went down, and I was scratched up pretty good. But it could have been a lot worse. You know, I you tell somebody, they have to listen. You know, yeah. they yeah. have to.
0: Absolutely. It was a dangerous <laughs> story. That's a scooter. I mean, yeah. Come on. Yeah. It wasn't a motorcycle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, a bike would have been maybe a little bit heavier than that little scooter, depending on what kind of bike you have, because I've felt bikes that have been lighter, you know, than the ones. Now I prefer anything less than a 1250 is a waste of my time. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) So what are some of your other hobbies besides Mighty Mouse and motorcycles? (laughs) Outside
0: the film world, uh, I, I love working out. I enjoy being healthy. Um, I like, uh, you know, just uh, being outdoors. I enjoy anything outdoors, whether it be swimming or whether it be running or weightlifting. Even, in the, you know, it's in the gym. It's away from the house. Uh, as far as sports, I, you know, played sports when I was a kid. But right now, at my age, if I'm in the gym four days a week, I'm happy. If I'm swimming, I'm happy. You know, if I have time for both. But, yeah, I enjoy that. I I just enjoy, I'll tell you honestly, between California and Florida, weather-wise, I would enjoy California weather all the time. It was 100%, hands down, it's better weather than Florida. Um, I did not know I was allergic to bees and fire ants until I came to Florida. And so when I got stung by both and blew up like a balloon, I limit being anywhere near grass or anywhere that has anything... (laughs) <laughs> remotely close to a bees <laughs> or fire ants, so I stay near the water the and yeah, uh, that's really it. But uh, fire
1: no. ants to tear your ass up, I'm telling you. I grew up in Las Vegas and I was sitting on the grounds because we would just sit. I was young, and you see these little ants. They're red. Oh man, they they hurt. I mean, I lived there, California. Honestly, over California, I think I would still go with Florida. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, I grew up out west, so and I love the beaches in Florida. I, I do. They're, I think they are way prettier than the beaches out west.
0: I really do. To some extent, you're right. To some extent. I mean, I love um, Laguna Beach. I love Newport Beach area. Those were my favorite hangouts. I wasn't a keen visitor of uh, Huntington Beach too much. I did like some parts of Huntington, but if mm-hmm. you say, "Sod," if you want to live in California, where would you live? I'd probably be in Laguna, Newport Beach. Uh, Mission Viejo, those are amazing spots to hang out and just enjoy that beach life, if you, if you will. Yes, Florida has amazing beaches. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel good when I step out after a shower and I am drenched in sweat. You know what I'm saying? oh yeah. <laughs> So godforsaken humid. But you know, I've been here. That's for- why
1: you wait until nighttime and then leave the beach.
0: <laughs> I, that's exactly-
1: it's, it's better. I mean, I liked Fort Walton Beach, and then. Because my family lives down there. So they tried to get me to go to Emerald Coast. I didn't have the time to make it to that one yet, but I heard that place is really pretty.
0: Yeah. Right now they're in restoration phase after that big hurricane. So all the southern, west, southern, west areas are torched from everything that went down there. But, you know, they're coming alive. They're coming together again. That was something.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing about living down there, though, because, I mean, you have to worry on that whole coast about hurricanes, you know. I mean, yeah. it's nice if you constantly have the money to keep rebuilding. And it's really beautiful to get on there. I mean, but it's, you live there. It's gorgeous. You know, it, it is. is.
0: It's really gorgeous. But but we we missed it by this much. I mean, we were literally blessed mm-hmm. in ways I could not understand how it went this way and then that way. And it just missed Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> it destroyed everything else in sight. It's crazy. So it, it was a blessing from above, no doubt, that we were spared. But if it would have hit here... Tampa Bay would have been gone. They would have yeah. been gone, just like everywhere else. But yeah, it was it was sad to see those places really get hit that hard. But luckily, everything is coming together for them. So, happy yeah.
1: for them. it'll come back. You've got to be positive. It will come back, and then it's always bigger and better when it does.
0: Yeah. You know? So, make some more films down here, real quick.
1: <laughs> yeah. Last question. Yes where do you see yourself in the future In, I'd say five years
0: in the industry in
1: or in general, gen- just in general.
0: Well, hopefully both my daughters will be married and out of my hair financially. <laughs> <laughs> Love you girls.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have about four or five features under our belt and, um, moving on to maybe some major productions for some of my uh, wish list films that I want to make and um, I'll, I'll always be working so I don't I don't foresee myself retiring really I don't um, i I'm not the type of person that says when I reach this age I'm gonna be done with the industry or I'm gonna be done with working to me I enjoy what I do I love what I do so I do what I love those two come like they're almost intertwined for me. So uh, retirement is not on the horizon. So five years from now, I'll still be doing what I love. Hopefully I'll be doing more of it. Um, Maybe work with some people to create a network for some of the things that we want. uh, That would be ideal. That's very important for me to have a network that shows things that are not being seen out in the world because it's not, it's not fitting the profile. So if we can develop that, that would be great. I do have a lot of ambition on certain things. Um, that will come to fruition. It's just a matter of time, financially. Yeah, yeah to stay working and to, to make an impact. That's really what it comes down to. I, I want to make an impact.
1: I definitely understand what you're saying about girls. <laughs> okay. Five of them. <laughs>
0: Ooh, God bless you.
1: Three Ooh. boys, five of them. And everybody's always like, why do you kind of favor the boys? I'm like, do you have a girl? No. Okay, then, you come back and you talk to me when you have a girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's a I I love my kids, but damn, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you just need to break every once in a while, but mm-hmm. all right. But, I mean, I can't wait until we get started doing what we're doing. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun, but I'm not going to go into that right now because I don't want to ruin anything. I hear but, you. I am gonna say thank you, definitely, for being my second victim. <laughs> it's
0: my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was really nice to have this opportunity to speak with you. It's really awesome. Appreciate it.
1: You're welcome, and we'll see you again. I know.
0: Yes. Definitely.
1: Okay. Yes. All right. Well, I'm gonna let you go, and All right. you're probably gonna be getting phone calls. I'd say about two hours, maybe, from your daughter. <laughs> Dad, what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> you know me? <laughs> Bro, you don't have to fight too much with me
1: You know what honestly
0: It's worse when they're grown
1: <laughs> I mean I, I hate to say that Because my youngest is 15 But I've got 21 22 And another 22 And when they get older You, you think they go But they don't I always say children are like yo-yos they're dying to get out of the damn door, <laughs> but as soon as they get out there and see what it's like, here their asses come again, <laughs> and you toss them back out, and they come back, you know, but I mean, I love my kids. It's fun. It keeps your life interesting, but they are like yo-yos, because yes. they're dying to get away fa- of the parents, but then they're yeah. like, oh, well,
0: damn, you know. <laughs> they realize how much their parents really did, and how can they? how much they continue to do. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. I'm, oh with you. I'm with you.
1: <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to let you go, and you have a good evening, and thank you. You too. Talk Bye. to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.